It's July 16th, 2007, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. After a break of several weeks, during which I took some long overdue time off, I'm back with a new episode with today's guest, Christine Haber, a photographer who has actually lived a dream shared by many photographers, and that dream is to travel the country in an RV and doing little else but making photographs. It's this part of Christine's story that brought her to my attention, and the result of her working in the USA project is an impressive one on several counts. The first of which is the great photography she made, portraits of everyday working Americans, many of whom practice crafts and trades that are quickly disappearing. The other is that this journey didn't begin at the end of a career, but in the middle of one, a successful photographic portrait business in Colorado. The fact that she was able to leave a successful business to live out a dream is an inspiration to any photographer who's been thinking of pursuing a personal project with hopes of one day making it happen. Who knows, after listening to this show, you you might think that today rather than tomorrow would be the best time to start making that happen. So listen and enjoy our conversation with Christine Hopper. All right, well, Christine, thank you for joining us on the show. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. Um, let's start off um, with with your story. Uh, you started pretty young picking up a camera from what I read. You, you're only about uh, three or four years old when you first picked up a camera? I did. My dad did quite a bit of photography, and there was always a camera being pointed in our faces. And so uh, I was given my first camera when I was a little girl and proceeded to take pictures all the way up till now. It was kind of interesting in reading your bio. You talked about that you really had a love and a passion for photography, and people saw your work and encouraged you to pursue it professionally, but you were kind of afraid that... You know, it would take the fun out of it that all of a sudden this this craft that you took so much pleasure in would suddenly become become work. What kind of finally convinced you to to you know go to college and get a degree in, in photography and try to make a career of it? Uh, my original degree out of college was in psychology, and I was in that field for about a year or two, and. Uh, any of my free time I spent doing photography and decided that I couldn't handle the co-workers who had psychological issues in addition to the juveniles I worked with. Mm. And uh, since I had always been doing the photography on the side, my dad had sat down with me and suggested pursuing photography. And that's when I had talked to him and thought, well, I don't want it to just turn into another job something that I have to do every day that is no longer a passion. And we both um, talked a little bit more, and I decided to pursue uh, further education in photography. So I did a two-year program. And my thought was is if I couldn't handle doing a, a two-year program in photography full-time and uh, spend the weekends doing um, the class assignments, et cetera, et cetera, then photography wasn't for me. So once I got into school and was doing it full-time, I loved it so much that 
I was pretty much doing it all the time. And after college, you started a, a portrait business. Tell me about. I did. Tell me about the kind of work that you were you were doing uh, doing then, and how you came to decide that that was the kind of photography that you wanted to start a business in. Uh, actually, before I even went to school, my passion was with people photography, and then in school, I was pushed in the other directions and actually got my degree in architecture and a studio, uh, not including people. But once I got out into the business world, I was showing my portfolio around, which included some portraits as well as the architecture and studio work. And I just kept getting hired for the people photography because those people saw uh, that the actual art within my portraits. Mm. And so I pursued portraits at that point and, um, and did portrait photography. I had my own portrait business for about seven years. The, uh, it's kind of interesting that you, that you got a degree in, in, in psychology. See so the kind of, in, in the photography, but both of actually are, are a way of, of observing people of being very, um, curious about people, but it manifests itself in different ways. In one way, you're, you're trying to help them through whatever difficulties they're having, and in the other one, you're using the camera to sort of delve into them in, in a fairly intimate way. Is that something that's always been an innate sort of part of you and that, that, and that you think sort of led you to, to pursue both of these fields at one point in your life? Yeah, I, I believe I've always been a uh, observer. I've always been very quiet and introverted and always sat back and just people watched. I've been always very intrigued with people and um, their thoughts, their feelings, and especially their faces and expressions. And so I'm not surprised that I have a big focus um, with people, either through the psychology or through photography. Well, the thing that brought me to uh, brought you to my attention was your working in the USA project, and, um, and mm-hmm. you came to start doing that seven years after you'd had a, a, a successful career as a as a portrait photographer and a studio photographer. You had a, a pretty good business, and you suddenly made the change to leave that behind and and do this project. For those people who aren't familiar with it, why don't you tell us briefly um, what working in U- USA uh, is about and what you actually did when you uh, made the change? Uh, working in the USA is a environmental portrait series on the people of America and the work they do. And the reason I decided to do that particular project was uh, I realized that there was so much focus on the negativity of our culture as well as really highlighting um, the the beautiful people. If you watch our television and our, you see our movies, uh, I realized that a lot of other countries who may be watching our TV or watching our movies have this skewed impression of who we are as, as a people. And I wanted to capture the reality of the American people. And uh, so as I was doing my portrait business, I became a little bit stifled creatively um, by shooting the cute family pictures and the children. And this 
thought of capturing the reality of the American people had always been in the back of my head. And I'd always talk about it every once in a while to my dad. I'm like, one day when I have enough money, I'm going to hit the road and, and go capture the American people. And finally, one, one day, this was probably five years after I first brought up the project to him, he says, when exactly are you, gonna, are you going to do that American project? And I said, Dad, I don't have enough money to justify a trip like that. And he looked at me and he said, when will you ever have enough money to do something like that? And that's when it hits hard. It's like, yeah, I might as well just do this now uh, and then pay for it later or hopefully um, make the money to pay off the debt mm -hmm. and the expenses of doing such a huge trip. So a year later is when I uh, hit the road in a motorhome. And which is just amazing because I, I know a lot of photographers who, who've had that fantasy of eventually getting in a motorhome with their camera gear, touring around the country and, and photographing. And you did it, um, which I commend you for. I think that that's great. But it, it, there certainly must have been some challenges of, of actually living your life out of a motorhome, um, traveling around the country and, and you know, working as uh, as a photographer, creating all these images. What were some of the challenges that you faced? How did you decide where were you, where you were going to go, and and how did you meet some of the people that you ended up photographing? Uh, probably my biggest challenge is the is the fact that being an introverted person, approaching people was one of the hardest things for me to overcome. I would stand in my motorhome after having seen, let's say, a farmer out in the field that I wanted to photograph, and I'd stand in my motorhome, just my heart racing, just thinking, should I or shouldn't I? Maybe there's somebody else down the road that I can ask instead, and I would since I was traveling alone with just my dog and cat, I had to be that second voice. I had to be the, the other person who told me to get out and just do it. And so uh, instead of pacing back and forth, I'd say, just get out of the motorhome and go ask them. The least they'll do is say no, and then you move on to the next farmer and find one then. And so that was one of my biggest, biggest uh, things to overcome. And then in regards to my travels, uh, being in a motorhome, the insulation is pretty poor, and so I decided to uh, hit the northern states in the warmer weather in the summer and spring and fall, and then try and get as far south during the winter. So my the first loop I took, I started in Colorado, went up towards Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, and then dropped down to Florida and across then across the southern states, and then back up through California. And so it was basically two circles to hit all of the lower 48 states. And then the way I found my people was basically just driving down the street looking at um, business signs, thinking also in my head, what are certain states best known for? And searching those people out. Like in Maine, it's lobster is a big industry. And uh, Pennsylvania, the steel workers, that's a big industry. And so searching those people out. Mm. What was what was your, um, what was the sort of reception that you got when you started explaining what, 
what you were doing because these people you know as you said they're sort of like the invisible people of this country even though they are the backbone of it they're often not the ones that are are, are the lenses turned to in 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 our, in our media what was their response to you paying attention to them and, and and wanting to document them in this way they actually were very excited to be part of a project such as this very very honored is what one person had said and uh, when I approached them I I would explain my project to them and say would it be okay if I photograph you and I think over the three and a half years that I traveled and the 400 people that I approached or photographed, I think I probably probably had about five people who said no. And so I don't know if it was how I approached them or the fact that I was younger and passionate and they could see that passion in my eyes and when I talked about the project that uh, got them to say yes. But... You know, a lot of these people, what else do they have to lose? I mean, somebody's just taking their picture, and they're not not—they're not really afraid of being exploited or being taken advantage of. And so it was like, wow, yeah, she wants to take my picture. That's great. You know, if nothing comes of it, then, you know, it's no loss other than 30 minutes of my time. You have some great images here, and I'm really kind of curious as to the story behind some of them. Um, you have a shot of a, of a man next to a grandfather clock, I think. Um, who was mm-hmm. that, and, and how did that photograph come about? <laughs> who was that? I would, um, I would actually have to have the picture in front of me to know who exactly it is. Uh, I don't have a book okay. with me right now. Um, but I found him... Oh, shoot. Now you've caught me off, off guard. Because the project, uh, I photographed these people probably more than a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And so I'm not even sure if that was West Virginia or Virginia that I photographed him. But uh, I had heard about him from somebody in town. And so I just drove up to his property and knocked on their door because uh, he worked right there um, where his house okay. was and um, photographed him there with his clock. And I believe even after that I was in for dinner and uh, had the opportunity to park my motorhome on their property mm. for the night. So There's another image of a man. I think he's in some uh, submersible gear. He's like, his, his head is just above the water. I think behind him there's a little bone. Oh, yeah, the dredger. <laughs> the dredger, uh, that was a trip. Um, I had traveled into Boise, and I have a cousin who lives in Boise, and she wanted to take me up to um, an old town 40 miles down a dirt road to show me a cabin that she had up there. And so as we're driving down this dirt road, I said, well, well what's going on? on down in the river and she's like I don't know and she says, um, I said there's some guys down there and it looks like they have a boat or like a not even a boat she says you know what I think that is she says I think those are dredgers down there and I says well let's go down there um, I have my camera equipment and maybe I can photograph them and so we stood on the bank of this river for probably five or ten minutes until this guy popped his head up out of the water and I had to wave him down <laughs> and um 
told him about the project, and he looked at me like I was nuts, but he's like, sure, okay. He says, you sure you don't want me out of the water with my mask off or anything? I said, no, that's your, those are your work clothes, and you're in your work environment, so that's how I want to photograph you. As you as you progress, you talked about you know initially you had a lot of anxiety uh, about approaching people. Did that start being diminished the more and more you did it, or did that always sort of come and go depending on your moods or where you were mentally um, at, at a given point in the trip? Um, it it diminished probably seventy five percent. Uh, I got to a point where I realized people weren't saying no, so there was there was rarely that fear of being rejected because I realized that was probably my biggest fear was them saying no and how was I going to walk walk mm-hmm. away from that. And so when I realized people weren't saying no, then it got easier to approach them. Plus, the longer I'd been working on the project. Uh, I could tell them I'd been working on this project for two years, I've been in this motorhome, and then they their eyes would kind of light up. Where at the beginning, uh, they just thought, oh, well, here's this girl just headed out who's only been doing this for a month, big deal. But after you've been doing it for two years or three years, they're like, oh, wow, this is a big deal. So it did get much easier. It got harder to find the different workers, though, the longer I, I did the project. Because there's a lot of tourism in America, a lot of service workers, mm-hmm. you know, the Walmarts, the McDonald's, those type of occupations. And so it got a little harder to find those really unique yeah, jobs. Craftsmen, you know, well, that's, that's mm-hmm. a shame, but yeah, I can understand that that really is. It's Our economy has become such a service economy that a lot of the people who had these skills or, these, mm-hmm. or knew how to, you know, these craftsmen are, are, are disappearing in large, large parts of the country. Is that one of the reasons you, that, that kind of drove you to, to persist in, in doing this? It, it was. It was. I, I also wanted to capture quite a few of those industries before they're gone. Um, I love looking at photography from... 40, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, and seeing how things have changed and what jobs people used to do or how they used to do jobs that are so different now because of technology. And so it was a matter of capturing a moment in time before things change or before things disappear um, because of robots or because it's just no longer uh, seen as uh, a necessity or, or something that people... Mm-hmm. Want or need? What was some of the things that really kind of surprised you that you you weren't expecting when you when you were out there and as you you know spent more and more time out there photographing and meeting these people? What was what weren't you expecting that you just you discovered that was sort of like a pleasant surprise? I think the biggest thing I found was how nice and wonderful people were. Um, Every day we read the newspapers and we see the murders and the crimes, and it seems like America would be such a scary place. And in reality, it's it's a wonderful place. And yeah, those things do happen, but there's so many great things that are happening in our country, and the people are great. And I was amazed at how many people would um, 
have me over for dinner or just give me 20 bucks to mm-hmm. help with my travel. And so that was one of the biggest surprises was just just the wonderful people in this country. Yeah, and, and, and what you're doing comes in a long history. I mean, you had Walker Evans with, you know, with the book uh, they collaborated with, Let Us Now Praise Famous Men, and then, you know, during the, the 30s, the uh, FSA, the Farm Security Administration, had that whole group of photographers mm-hmm. that were documenting, you know, working America. So you come in a long line of, of photographers who have, you know, documented this really important part, um, of, uh, you know, of the country. You know, there's there's a legacy right. that you're mm-hmm. capturing here that uh, I think is probably one of the most important and most inspiring aspects of, of the work that you created. Um, what's oh, what's you. been the reaction of the people that have, have seen the work, either in book form or in prints and on exhibition? People love the images, and they're very drawn to them. I think the book has been a little bit harder of a sell only because if it's sitting on a bookshelf, um, people don't tend to pick it up. And that's why doing the art festivals and taking the book with me and doing um, talks to groups and to schools and organizations has been very positive because once people hear the reason behind the project and what I was trying to capture and why, they are really drawn into the images. And once they spend some time uh, either with the book, a lot of times with the book reading my forward and then spending time with the images, uh, it really does hit them like, wow, this is an amazing thing this person did, this photographer did. And these images of the American people are like nothing that they've experienced personally, most of them. So it has been a very positive response. But um, oh, go ahead. Since you ended the the project, I think it was about three years. Um, after you finished, you know, the the project of driving around the country, what did you start doing then? Um, what did you you know? Do you have an opportunity when you say, okay, this project is done, but there comes a point about, okay, what do I do next? You know, is it do I go <laughs> back to doing the portrait stuff, or do I try and find a new venture? You know, it, it it's it can be a great moment of anxiety in terms of do I go somewhere where I haven't gone or do I go back to what's familiar um, you took a great risk in doing the project but after the project's over there's always this moment of okay what now and what was that for you uh, that has gone on in my head often and I think the one thing that stops me is the fact that this was such a huge undertaking that it um, I almost need a break, and I don't know how long that break's going to be, but um, the things that have gone through my head were basically doing a similar project to working in the USA, but maybe picking 50 similar uh, occupations and capturing those 50 people in other countries to show the different technologies around the world. Um, But that's even even bigger than just (laughs) traveling the United States. And so at this point uh, in my life, I'm just trying to um, make the money to pay off the debt from doing the project, as well as because I've shot so much of uh, the landscape and the people is getting those images out there. Because it's one thing to keep shooting and shooting and shooting and not doing anything with the images. So right now I'm in the 
uh, my passion is being in the dark room and printing and having images at uh, shows and festivals and getting that response from the the people that are walking around and the people that are purchasing the artwork. So I'm basically an artist trying to sell my work at this point. And I'm enjoying it highly. I mean, it's, it's great to get constant feedback for, you know, a weekend straight. People who love your work and want it on their walls. and But it's a whole different lifestyle. The whole art festival, artist type mm-hmm. thing, it's a whole culture of people that I never expected I'd be part of. Well, I really, what I really like your story about your story is just the fact that you were willing to take risks. I think there are a lot of people who pick up a camera and really are love it and are passionate about it and have a desire to do something more with it than just being, you know, the weekend shutterbug. And I think that, that what you did with, with this project and when you continue to do with your work is sort of speaks to that, about that sometimes... You know, the money or the means may not be there, but sometimes you still just got to go ahead and do it. You know, you only, you only mm-hmm. get one go around in this world. And, you know, why not? Why not take the risk? Why not, you know, make it make it make it happen? And uh, right. Right. Yep. It's putting putting aside those fears and just going for it, especially if you have a, a, dr- a driving passion. It's one thing to you know, in your mind, say, okay, well, I kind of want to do this. I had a driving passion. It was, it was in my every thought. And, and every time I talked to my dad, he knew it was there. And so uh, a driving passion really can force a lot of people outside of their comfort zone. But then a lot of people get into responsibilities that make it hard for them to make a step like that. I didn't, have a house or a mortgage that I had to worry about. I don't have children. I didn't have a husband, anything like that. And so I was able to to step outside of, you know, the life that I had and move on to something different because I didn't have any responsibilities that I had to take care of. It seems like you had great, so, you know, support from from your dad. You know, I kind of suspect that voice that kind of urged you on while you were in the in the field likely sounded like your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad, my dad. Uh, I think he had quite a few little dreams that he never pursued. Instead, he um, he works very hard. He's a, he's basically a workaholic and loves his work. But uh, he did have a a family early, and he lives vicariously through me, I believe, in a way. I mean, he loves his life, but at the same time, it's like, oh, my daughter's doing this, my daughter's doing that. And I think he values that, that, you know, I'm able to do that, because a lot of people won't or can't. What was his reaction to the to the body of work when he finally got a chance to, chance to see it? Oh, excuse me, can what, you repeat that? What was that? his reaction when he finally got a chance to see the completed body of work for this project that he had and encouraged you for. Oh, he he was he was the proud papa. I mean he he bought the book for friends and coworkers and his he got his boss to buy the book and and uh just very, very excited about it. And every once in a while I'll run into somebody that he knows 
and uh, they'll say, oh my gosh, Christine, your dad, all he does is talk about your book and your project and what you're doing. And so he's very proud. That's great. That's great. Well, the way I end each show is by asking um, each photographer to recommend another photographer that they suggest that our listeners um, explore uh, and check out their work. So who would that be for you and why? Um, I would say uh, a lady named Allison Overton. And and it may just be my personal bias, but she does shoot with the same camera that I shoot with. And uh, I love how she is captured, um, especially your European images not of people but of the landscape and what she's done uh with art well beautiful yeah i'm I'm not heard of her but i'll definitely be checking out her work but uh thank you so much it was a real pleasure to have a chance to talk to you well thank you very much for having me well thanks again for joining me for another episode if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. Until next time, this is Ivarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com. Dot com.